Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. Like always, I'm your host Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, slash Trekkies, and with special guest, Tasha Pierce from Mouth of the Snap. Tasha, how are you doing? Everything is everything. Thanks for having me back. Oh, always good to have you on for your in-depth Trek knowledge, so uh, glad you're on with us. Oh, thanks. Also on the podcast, we have the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? Glad to be back and glad to see you back in the captain's seat for Picard. So welcome back. Woohoo. Yeah, I'm I'm hosting a Picard episode for the first time this year. I hope I don't drop the ball here. <laughs> <laughs> and also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you, sir? I am good, man. And I am glad to be here. I'm stoked to have Tasha on to get that fresh perspective that we'll probably miss out on on future ones. And I withhold my comment on the host of the show, the showrunners here, (laughs) because I don't want to get into that trouble. So I'm glad to have Cal. I'm glad to have you and you both can host as far as I'm concerned. Just promise me nobody will get slapped. There you go. Oh, the hubris. (laughs) I'll just say real quick, a listener note, Cal will be dropping off, but he will give us his beats. He will give us his beats. So we will have the rest of the crew on for the rest of the episode. But I want to give a shout out to Tasha's YouTube channel and tell people where they can find you and what your YouTube channel is all about. My YouTube channel is, I guess, it's 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 a developing work in progress because we have become the the place to just think tank these episodes, <laughs> and uh, I'm enjoying that aspect. But yeah, the name of my channel is After the Snap Movies and TV on YouTube, and you can find me on Discord, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I definitely encourage everyone to join her Discord, which we'll put a link in the show notes. But we've been having some good conversations kind of dissecting these Picard episodes so far. That's been a lot of fun. So much fun. Thanks for being a part of it, guys, too. Indeed. So we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Picard Watcher. The episode story was written by Travis Fickett and Julia James. And the teleplay was written by Julia James once again and Jane Mogg. Watcher was directed by Lee Thompson of Back to the Future fame. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was another good one from her, huh? Yeah. So with time running out to save the future, Picard takes matters into his own hands and seeks out an old friend for help. Meanwhile, Rios ends up on the wrong side of the law and Gerardi makes a deal with a Borg queen. And in honor of Kyle being the host of Picard for the first three episodes, would you give us that warning, Kyle? Absolutely, because you know I love doing a spoiler warning, so... Here we go. If you have not seen this episode, put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> like always, we're going to count Joseph for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us? This week. So I think they're going to go comedic, but I want to go serious for just a minute and give you a compliment, if I may. Oh, go for it, sir. I take the easy way out because I always, in my introduction of an episode, tell the actors, uh, you know, such and such is such and such. Usually the easy way out. You say director, producers, 
which are names we're not as common with. So my hat is virtually tipping to you, my friend. Oh, thank you, sir. But here we go with the beats, and I'll let you guys take it as you will. Here we go. An unexpected recast we find in the past, with ten forward, now backward, and a fight on the wall. As French to English are explained, we see the return of Mother Superior Tasha Lim. Oops, wrong podcast. <laughs> Yet Atasha, not Yar, does return to our show. I tell you this, you see, before I must go. You can find her online, not before, not during, but after the snap. Oh. The Borg are still around, just not yet a hive, leaving me this rating that is not a five. The story still grows, just like a tree. I think I'll rate this an overall three. Mm, In closing, I shall leave you just with this. Gerardi versus the Queen continues to delight. I wonder, now could we? Yes, we just could might. Sell tickets just like Rock versus Smith from the Oscars last night. <laughs> <laughs> was it much of a fight? Was it really? Was it? Hmm. No, that was just a, a well, brutal. I, I wanted smack. to do snap and slap, and then I just couldn't make it work. So I was like, okay, fight night. <laughs> Thank you so much for those beats, Kyle. We really, really appreciate it. We know you have to go, but thanks for those beats, and we'll catch you next time, sir. Awesome. And I am literally beaming out. So you guys have a great discussion. Can't wait to listen and be a fan listening. That'll be cool. With that, let's get the overall thoughts from both Jonathan and Tasha. Let's start with you, Tasha. What are your overall thoughts of this episode? While I absolutely love this episode... I have the unpopular opinion that it was a little fillery, mm. just a little. Things did move, but not by very much. Mm. That is my that's my concise thoughts. John. Oh, man, y'all are making it difficult here. So I agree, Tasha. This was definitely could go in the category of a filler. But I love Star Trek fillers, you know, through TNG and Voyager. There's always those filler episodes, usually a holodeck episode, but they are always done really well. So I appreciate it. That being said, I love this episode. I did love it. I, it did not move the story forward as far as we would like, but we did get a couple of good Easter eggs and it was just overall a quite enjoyable watch. So I loved it. Oh, man. For me, I think I'm going to be right there with you, John. I love this one so much more than Assimilation. I think this one was so good. So many Easter eggs thrown in there. So much of theory finding that we're looking in the clues. And I think that may be the part I liked about it most. So, yeah, I was all about it. I really enjoyed it and can't wait to get in some of these details. Really loved it. This thing was chock full of Easter eggs. So if if you... Uh, if your favorite holiday just happens to be Easter, this was the episode <laughs> for you. <laughs> so we kind of get the episode with Seven and Rafi going off on an adventure to find Rios. Meanwhile, Picard and Gerardi work to reestablish communications and figure out the exact timing of the divergence point by finding the Watcher. Let's talk about Picard and Gerardi first. And did any of you guys find it interesting how we've kind of got this explanation here? And again, we, we may have got it before in some book or some other episode. I'm just not remembering. 
but we get the explanation of why Picard speaks more with a British accent versus a French <laughs> accent. Did we like that explanation in this episode? I like the fact that it wasn't a heavy-handed, long-winded explanation. We dropped it in there. If you're listening, those who know, know. And now we got an answer and we move on. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So just just to kind of go along with your comment, Tasha, it very much was not heavy handed because I really like it never stuck out to me. And it, it's probably because I'm one of those people that I just I cannot recognize different accents. Uh, and, <laughs> like and I, I like most of my friends can like they can like speak with a British accent fairly well. And I can do, I always end up sounding like a backwoods country guy when I try to do it. So uh, accents I've never been good with and I've never had an issue with Picard's, but I not totally missed the explanation of why. So, well, apparently, you know, John Luke's family in France went to England to survive the war, World War II, I'm assuming. So, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting explanation. Uh, there. OK, yeah, I get it. See. I heard that, but I never like, oh, that's why his, no, like, I never <laughs> Yep. It was very, very, e- just an easy explanation. And be- the fact that it went over your head means it was done well to me. Yeah. Agreed. Very much. Very much. We did get a few more glimpses of this flashback that Picard has been having about his mother. The Borg Queen. Uh, well, well let's, let's talk about it because- I kind of freeze frame through some of that and some of it shows, I think it's why that is her name, but her being taken away or look like she's having a struggle with, with Picard's father. So um, did you guys catch any of that or was it just me being too Snoopy in there? I'm glad you were Snoopy because I didn't, I didn't slow it down. So I, I missed those details. So if, if it were something that I need to know, I know you'll be the man to tell me. Yeah, same here. I didn't, I, nothing stuck out to me other than just an abusive husband. So, yeah. And that's what I'm interested to know how they go with that. Did he like send her off for some reason? Or it seems like they're going somewhere with that. And I really can't wait to find out what the what is. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost afraid to know <laughs> what <laughs> the what is. <laughs> and before I move on, I really love the statement that Picard made. He told Gerardi, just having memories of things that have yet to occur. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. That was that poetic side of uh, Sir Patrick Stewart there. Now, help me out here, guys. This is one part of the episode that I really, really did not sit well with me. And I want to know you guys' opinion on it. And that is when Picard is making this deduction about this April 15th date. Because Gerardi picked up a Britannica. She moved the beads on the abacus. And she picked up a 1915 Pinot Noir. Just kind of too far-fetched to me, but what are you guys' thoughts? Ooh, this is a callback. Definitely a callback. I wish I could think of the name of the episode. Uh, but remember that one episode where Data was doing it with the with the playing cards? He had set a... a I, I guess he had set a clue for himself that this was not the correct timeline in mm. a deck of cards. Hmm. I do rem- vaguely remember that. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of the episode. I hate yeah. doing that where I bring it up and, and I don't know how, where to send you, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's that sounds like a callback to me. <laughs> that is really interesting. Well, I, did, I don't say it wouldn't. It didn't sit well. I was fine with it. Um, And it worked out with me. But I think 
that was just kind of the writer's way of throwing in an Easter egg of the Dixon Hill reference. Which was really amazing. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. So when I heard that, like, I just kind of forgot about whatever led up to that. I was like, what? Wasn't the only Dixon Hill reference, though. Yeah, the first of two. Yep. <laughs> But I guess the important parts we get of that scene is that the actual divergence is going to happen on April the 15th, 2024. And we also get the confirmation that we're on April the 12th, 2024. So it kind of gets some important dates there. Yep. So Picard is already part ways with Picard heading to what we'll find out is where Guinan is. And Gerardi is there to boost the communications. But let's go ahead and talk about Gerardi and kind of play out what the rest of her story in this episode. So the Borg Queen is desperately, <laughs> so very desperately, trying to appeal to Gerardi, talking to her loneliness, talking about the feeling she got during the assimilation. So let's let's just talk about that a little bit. She talked about her cruelty which, if you know Gerardi from last season, you got to say she was kind of cruel in that season, too. So <laughs> thoughts of maybe this interaction between the Borg Queen and Gerardi and her trying to, I guess, the Borg Queen trying to appeal to Gerardi. Well, first of all, why leave her there with the Borg Queen? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I have to give Picard a dumb moment like this like, everything in me said, this is a terrible idea. You're going to come back, and she's going to be a Borg, and there's going to be a cube developing inside the La Serena, and it's oh just going to be, go to hell in a handbasket. And you just, okay, well, you stay here. I think it's best. No, it's not. <laughs> and then further, to to piggyback, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan called the Borg Queen and Gerardi's kind of uh, dealings a deal with the devil. Mm. And this was another situation where the Borg Queen is playing the serpent. She is uh, yeah. in the Garden of Eden. I don't know, you know, I don't <laughs> want to make it religious. But she's playing the serpent and she's seducing Gerardi. She's trying to make Gerardi realize that the connection that they have is far more beneficial than whatever she might have with the rest of that crew. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of to play devil's advocate, she's not entirely wrong. For Gerardi's sake, it would be more beneficial in the short term to be with the queen. Like, just as far as her emotional state and her cap- like, I could see that being productive for her until the queen gets to the point where she needs something serious from her. But, like, I, and the queen knows this, and that's yeah. why she's yeah. playing that card. She's exploiting it. Yep. Right. And again, why didn't Picard see this? <laughs> I saw it. You guys seen it. Everyone sees it. Picard misses it. But is it because he's so singularly minded right now? Is it because his only ambition right now is to fix this timeline? He doesn't have a Riker or somebody who mm. whose opinion that he values enough to stop and think or yeah. to even consider. You know, I was going to push back on you a bit and say, you know, that's just not usually Picard's mind frame, but you said something that's very important. He's used to having that Riker and Deanna Troy there to kind of like pump the brakes for him a little bit. Hey, you're not yeah. thinking this through. Yeah. And really, I guess if you think about it, that's every Starfleet captain. I yeah, mean, yeah. who are they without their crew? Exactly. Yeah. And I think honestly, before it's over, we're going to see Gerardi going down yet another dark road <laughs> in, oh, yeah. in, in this season. <laughs> A dark green road. 
Let's talk a little bit about Rafi and Seven. So we get a very interesting Easter egg from Star Trek for the voyage home when they're riding on the bus. Tasha, tell us about this Easter egg, because I know you know what's going on here. When they're on the bus, they encounter a young man who, for some reason, has a boombox in 2024. <laughs> now, he's playing a song. <laughs> First problem. Right. He's playing a song. I still hate you song. And it's like, it says 35 years later and nothing much has changed. Those in charge are living large. The rest are all deranged. Mm. What stood out to me about that is that he says it's 35 years later, which it is 35 years after the events of uh, Voyage Home. Wow. And, of course, it's the same man who was in a Voyage Home who got the nerve pinch from Spock. Yes. (laughs) Now, Spock nerve pinched him. In a timeline, right? Yeah. How How is this man, when when Seven says, hey, would you cut this out? How does he remember? Because he put his hand at his he neck did. like he remembered being nerve pinched. But this wasn't supposed to be something that happened because there is no Enterprise. There is no Starfleet. How, how does he know that this thing happened to him? Oh, see, now you're blowing my mind because I thought it was the coolest Easter egg ever. But it now is. I'm not happy with it. It is. And it could have a deeper meaning. Or it could have just been something that they threw in and didn't actually think that think somebody like me was out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just didn't <laughs> think it out. If, if, if we're going to have to accept what Guinan is, which we'll talk about in a minute, we have to accept that this shouldn't be part something that could be called back. Right. Right. Now, there, there was one small change in it in that little Easter egg. So if I read this right, the original song he was playing was called I Hate You. And mm-hmm. the new version was I Still Hate You. Yeah, he got a whole the remix. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> remix. And he was in something else in sci-fi. It was in a Spider-Man movie, I think. What? Oh. Okay. A, a Marvel Universe. I'm going to find it for Okay, we may have to look that one up. But the actor's name is Kirk R. Thatcher. As he self-describes it, this is not my words, punk on a bus. That's how he has it on his Twitter. So take it as you may. So moving on, you know, I'm I'm loving the interaction between Seven and Rafi. It continues to be amazing. And first off, when they're in the police station, I find it kind of eerie how the words they're saying to this officer are still poignant. I mean, they're three years in the future, but it's poignant to us right now of having to go in this facility and trying to find their friend who has been captured by these these ice ice officers. So ice sanctuary cities a little too close to home. What do we think about that? You know my 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 line, standard line, Star Trek has always made social commentary and maybe in the time that the commentary was made it seemed heavy-handed. And I think that right now there, there are a faction of fans who might feel like this is a heavy handed approach to making uh, social commentary. But in years to come, we'll look at it just the way we look at the, the things that we've seen in TOS, TNG and moving forward. You know? Yeah, I agree. If you if you're a Trek fan, like you're used to this and it, you know, it'd be a problem if this was kind of a new thing, like they're crossing a line or. You know, we kind of had a long discussion about discovery in that line that may or may not have been crossed. But I mean, in this particular instance, like we 
have countless episodes that does pretty much the same thing. And ultimately, you know, Gene Roddenberry vision was to show us what we could be. Yeah. And the yeah. best way to show us what we could be is to give us that fictional depiction, but also show show us where we are currently. And they do. a Star Trek has always done a great job. And I think they did a great job here. Yeah. And I tend to agree. I think they they skirted that line well of not anything really out there, but they're just showing us a little bit of what's happening now. You know, you talked about it in the last episode, John, about, you know, the homeless population in Los Angeles. A lot of people might not know about that. And they're kind of shedding light on that. And in light of all of some of the border disputes and things we've had forever is some of that makes sense if it moves in the wrong direction this is where we could be so i like that they're put shedding light in that and they didn't go out on a you know this the things that they depict are not like opinions yeah you know you can't you can't look at these things from one side of the aisle or the other and say it is or is not true like Mm. it is a fact it's not debated there is a skid row in los angeles california that looks exactly like that if not worse Like that is the case. And there's no debate about it. ICE is deporting people all the time. And there's no debate about that. There's a debate on whether we should or should not. But the debate on whether it's happening or not, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's showing that and it's saying we need to pay attention to these things. And what better place to do that than, you know, for Star Trek to point it out. And this is not a brand new storyline for Star Trek. This sanctuary district was brought up way back in Deep Space Nine, where it was, I guess it was confirmed in that episode that every major city had a sanctuary district. So this is something that they thought was a a point that needed to be made all the way back in DS9. We're still making the same point, and it looks the exact same in 2022. Mm. And and I mean, isn't that just like saying like, hey, we told you guys this (laughs) 30 years ago. And Y'all we still, still had in the same fixed place. Uh huh. <laughs> and just a quick uh, side note, guys. So while we were talking, I did look it up. So Kirk Thatcher made a cameo appearance as punk rock guy in the 2017 film Spider-Man: Homecoming. Ah, oh, so so this guy's thing. That, yeah. yeah, that's his that's his whole shtick in Hollywood. That's funny, and I think he directs too. So I might need to look at his IMDb a little bit more closely. Yeah. <laughs> So Rafi wants to Rafi. So Rafi. <laughs> so so Rafi oh, wants to tap into the police computer systems as they leave the police station, ultimately pushing Seven to steal the police truck. And my thoughts here are, are I guess maybe the question I have here is, which one would have been easier, Rafi hacking into the computer systems from 2024, or Seven? driving a car from 2024 now just off the top of my head i would think the computer system would be much harder but mm-hmm. maybe you guys can talk me down what did you, what do we think of this interaction the hacking and even let's even go into the speed chase well so i'll say this as it stands now i say the computer hacking would be easier and so there's a logical reason and illogical reason for why i say this logical reason is they they have experience with far, far more advanced computers. So it was safe to say they could figure this out fairly quickly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's ones and zeros. I don't care how far advanced you got. Uh, but I say it's easier also illogically because I've seen how people drive today <laughs> and they make it very complicated. <laughs> 
So for someone who's never driven a car before, that should be almost impossible. Well, now I'm go. I'm going to make us just, I guess, feed into some canon that that's there, and just presume that something happened after that. Because remember, in Voyager, Tom Paris had a car. Yeah, he did. So who yeah. is to say that that Seven and he never drove this car together? Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Oh. Good point. Well, I mean, she did say she didn't have experience. Yeah, she said she didn't have experience really driving. I mean, it's one thing to drive in a simulation, a holodeck yeah. on your on the starship. <laughs> it's something entirely different getting in the streets of Los Angeles. Yeah. And, but I mean, she did. When she first boarded Voyager, she, like, she, one of her things she did was download like gigaquads of information on everything, crew and all that. So it's safe to assume she probably downloaded a lot of Tom Paris's programs and logs and all that so she may have had some kind of offhand experience and and oh go ahead clarence because uh, i bet let, you're going where i'm going yeah <laughs> let, let me add that her being a borg haven't they assimilate should have assimilated somebody who operated a motor vehicle over the course of borg history maybe that uh. was going to be my next point the only question is does she retain that knowledge right now as as uh. a person without the borg implant without the you know, she's never been, this Annika Hansen has never been assimilated. So does she retain that knowledge? Good point. Yeah. And we did mention on the last episode, because we were wondering why they had to use the Borg Queen for the calculations and not Seven. And I think we did mention the fact that, you know, Seven has probably lost a lot of that Borg ingenuity and knowledge as she, especially in this time, like you said, she's, you know, in this current timeline, she has no Borg implant. So, yeah. But still harder to drive a car. <laughs> yeah, true, true. What do y'all think about the action of the chase? I thought it was pretty, pretty well done. It, yeah, I, it was good. Yeah, I didn't mind it. <laughs> something different for Star Trek. Pivoting a little bit to Rios. Cristobal, is that a stage name or something? What did you guys think of the... <laughs> again, we talk about heavy handedness, but one of them that felt a little weird to me was the Pledge of Allegiance comment that Rios made. He's like, oh, so they make you pledge allegiance to them? You know, and I can see his point of view from where he came from, but still it felt like a weird comment to throw in there. And I don't I don't know. I think that one might have escaped me. I didn't I didn't form any thoughts. I heard it and it just went right past me. Mm. It, and it kind of goes back again. It's not out of the norm for trick. So, you know, there was an episode on DS9 when Quark and his brother and Nog ended up going back in time. And they just kind of made a comment, and I don't remember the exact wording, about, you know, how bad smoking was. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and it's tricks always made it a point, like little things like that to just kind of, you know, we right now currently think, you know, maybe it's bad, but, you know, we're okay with it. But they kind of made it a point to see it from their perspective of like, this is really not good, yeah. you know? <laughs> and not the same saying the Pledge of Allegiance is good or bad. I'm not saying that, but... I mean, they've already they've always done that. So I don't know. I mean, now the Pledge of Allegiance, I mean, touching on that could be a uh, sticky subject. So maybe they kind of got close to that line. I wouldn't necessarily say they crossed the line. I mean, the way that they've they've kind of talked against even religion. I, I think that that was OK. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was OK. I mean, from their perspective, I mean. I mean, think about it coming from where they're come and you're looking at a species that's pledging allegiance to a single country. Yeah. And it's just kind of small minded. Like 
you're pledging allegiance to a country. But I mean, I'm coming from a place where whole worlds are united with other whole worlds. Yeah, yep. I, I get yep. good point, because that would be like somebody from it would feel like them, like somebody from the U.S. pledging allegiance to Texas or <laughs> Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi. That's why I'm saying it. But, you know, I, I can see this on a scale level. I can see that being the same type of comparison. I, I agree. Yeah. So ice detention. They're moving Rios to some other district where he can be held, which, again, like I think you mentioned it earlier, Tasha, we've got references to past tense all throughout this episode. But we did have that a-hole security officer. And I guess really not much to say here. I guess you needed this character, but he really got on my nerves. Oh, my God. <laughs> he did his job. <laughs> and, and the fact that we spent so much time getting to know this this gentleman means that something is going to happen to him in episodes to come. I really hope he gets his comeuppance. <laughs> I'm sure Rafi and Seven to make sure of that. The board queen is going to assimilate him. Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be some type of fate. <laughs> so Picard lands at Ford Avenue, and he meets a particular individual, which I had not expected to see in this form. So, guys, talk to me about this. How is this possible? Not only the notion of her of her not even knowing Picard, but the different look of Guinan. Well, first, let me throw a side note or side question out there. So it was Forward Street and the address number 10. Yes. So was 10 Forward? Call 10 Ford because it was on deck 10 at the front of the ship, or did they name it after uh, this bar? You're opening a can of worms, sir. <laughs> and, and I honestly believe it is her doing because if it was 10 Aft Street, she would have just said, <laughs> Okay, we're gonna go to the aft of the build my bar on you know on the starboard side of the ship. Yeah, so, so and see, this is this is kind of what made me question it because 10 Ford on the Enterprise is on deck 10 at the front of the ship. Right. So, like, it's, you know, chicken or egg comment. But anyway. Right. Uh, moving off of that, uh, what did I think about the new look? So, I was actually talking to our friend Jeremy, and we were discussing that. And I I don't like this guy. <gasps> now, I, I'm not going to say. My pearls. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> it's not that I don't like the appearance. It's just the Guinan that I'm used to has always been such a stable, calm, collected person. And I assume because of Elorian's nature, like that's always them. They're listeners. But this Guinan is not a listener. And I get she's younger, but I mean, how young? I don't know. But I just it's just her aggressiveness just went against everything I expect from Guinan. Number one. Number two. I don't don't take this. I hope Whoopi never listens to this, but there's no way you would have made Whoopi look this young. So it had to go with another character. So I was okay with that. Mm. See, and I'm thinking they could have, I mean, if they wanted to go the de-aging route, they could have done it the way that Star Wars did with the Mandalorian and Luke Skywalker, where they bought in a body double of the the size that Mark Hamill was and then superimposed his face over this body double. They could have done it that way. They could have superimposed the young Guinan face over a body double. This was a a decision. I don't know if it was a decision that was made because it is very costly to keep de-aging people or if this is going to play deeper into the story. But I didn't mind it. Well, my thing is, 
Well, why not? I mean, we've already established precedent for it. So why not let Guinan appear? I mean, Whoopi appear as is in this because we don't know how old she is. And you know that what was the episode in TNG where they found Data's head and they went back way far in the past. Yeah. And they went way, Mm -hmm. way far in the past and Guinan still looked like Guinan. Yeah, I can. This is very timey wimey. Of course, yeah. she isn't going to look like she looked on episode with whatever first episode she appeared on TNG, unless they do the de-aging. I'm kind of glad right. they didn't do the de-aging because it would have been like a, a very expensive and costly and hard thing to do. If you've seen any of the said Mandalorian clips, you'll see what I'm talking about. They did it much better this year, but the first year was a little swirly. Yeah, that was scary. And, and, <laughs> and even what they did for the small bit with um, with Q. With Don, John DeLancey in, his, in, in this yeah. series, it wasn't good. Very so, uncanny. Very, yeah. very uh, uncanny valley to me. <laughs> but my thing is, if they would have made her demeanor somewhat similar, I would have been more okay with it. But is it because she doesn't have the benefit of the past experiences because all of that stuff never happened? There is nothing like... If the, in, in the original timeline, at least that guy in back in 1893, where they first met her, would have had the knowledge that things were going to get better because she's already met a piece of the future. This guy then doesn't have that experience. Well, then I go back to Time's Arrow, where she didn't have that knowledge, but she still was the listener. She was, was the in only one in that. Right. And she was the only one willing to give Picard at the time the benefit of the doubt and listen to what he was saying. Like this one, this guy is nowhere near listening to anything. And their species are by definition listeners. Yeah, but I still believe that it was just a difference of the experiences that she had. At least, you know, things are going to get better. This this guy is so jaded. All she's been hearing is bad news. And she's been the, she's been the butt of some of it, too, because she said people like me don't get to. Mm. I can't remember how she put it, Clarence. Do you remember? Uh, well, it was, it was it was a reference to being black, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I still can't. I can't understand why she chose to stay black. <laughs> if, I mean, really? No, because no. if I had a choice. It, I know this is about to sound, and you can cut me out of this. Tasha, you're off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But there are some people who, who really believe that if we had a choice, would you have chosen to go through some of the things that you've dealt with because of the color of your skin? And especially when you think about, and, and again, like I agree with you, this is a very jaded Guinan you got to realize what she's been through over the last, what, 100, 150, almost 200 years. She's been through multiple world wars. So, yeah, she's kind of been through the ringer. And even at the point now where we're seeing an Earth that is being depleted of its resources, people, she even mentions people who are more fortunate not taking care or helping the less fortunate. Things that we talk about today, and she's seeing all of that. Seeing this tiny ball in the galaxy, <laughs> you know, and all we want to do is fight and destroy. So I agree. She is very, very jaded at this point And has just had enough. But again, we go back to 1893. <laughs> <laughs> and she was fine. <laughs> yeah, she saw some stuff there, too, apparently. Yeah. 
And I mean, in that time, she was a black woman in that time sitting in a high class party. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I get it. I, I just feel like this was, and I, listen, it's so much timey wimey and trick. Like to ask the writers to keep the line going and keep everything together will be a near impossible task. But Guinan, and it, like something specific is Guinan. She was, wasn't in a lot of episodes, but I think they could have at least kept to that. Like that was a big scene for Guinan in 1893. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they should have kept that somewhat, but well, this well, is. It, 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 it didn't happen because of this time change though, as, as Tasha referenced. Yeah, and that's that's very true. This time change could have changed a lot. And I'm wondering, this is me throwing on my speculation cap, though. I'm wondering if it's because so many omniscient type beings are all in the same area right now. Mm. It's, is that throwing her off? Because you, you have the, the Watcher. The you Watcher, Q, Q, and her. Yeah. And then all these people who are out of time who are not even supposed to be here. Yep. And yeah, no, she's a very time sensitive uh, race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's all interesting. But Picard eventually tells her who he is, and then she's finally willing to help. So uh, an interesting statement here next, and this is gonna have some people's brains or their ears perking up a little bit. Guinan explains supervisors otherwise known as watchers of whom are peppered through the galaxy assigned to protect destinies of certain individuals. Tasha theories on who this watcher is. Ooh, <laughs> you would step. This is where I didn't <laughs> want to get started because, okay, we initially, we saw so many clues that it could be a guardian of forever. And that's still on the table. We, yeah. we, we're not taking anything off the table, but then there was this episode of TOS called assignment earth. Yeah. <laughs> and Assignment Earth is the one with Gary Seven, who is a supervisor yes. of a <laughs> Yes. Of a of a group of of uh, an alien species that sends their their people out to kind of protect history. And she could be the cat. You know, at the end of the episode, his little cat turned into uh, a human. Yep. And she, I mean, I'm not going to, she didn't look exactly like Loris because this, this, they were playing up the sex appeal in, in TOS. You know how we did that. But <laughs> it does, <laughs> it does definitely make me think that she could be a member, either a member of that race or that cat. <laughs> she yeah. could be that cat. Mm. So I went, I, I like that theory uh, and I never connected that. I just kind of went, which I, I guess I don't really have evidence of it, but just watching it, my opinion was like, I've, I've always questioned what was the purpose of Q? You know what I mean? An omnipotent being like, and the Q we know, he's just out and about just causing commotion, but there is a reason for the Q continuum. What would that reason be? And I think mostly that would be in a watcher role. Like, if you have the power to change and do anything and you're inf infinite lifespan, why not be that person that kind of guards the universe and make sure everything goes according to plan, which uh, kind of throws me into the fact of why Q's involved anyway. So yeah. maybe, and we get to the end and we see something else that kind of tipped me off to that as well. Like, I, I don't know that Q really supposed to be here right now. Hmm. 
No, I don't think he is either. Or, or the watcher shouldn't be there right now. And Q's trying to fix that, which we kind of already kind of got a hint of. But I, I feel like it's a continuum problem. Well, let, let me speak to the watcher real quick and then I'll we can go into Q. I'm very much on the Tasha bandwagon here with this being the, the Gary Sevens race coming over to uh, manipulate or make sure certain events occur, which is kind of what the watcher does. You mentioning the cat is a real, real good reference there, because the reason I think the cat was sexy in TOS was to appeal to Kirk and Kirk. Basically, <laughs> yeah, the, mm-hmm. and, and we see this human here looking like a human version of Laris. Somebody mm-hmm. who would appeal to Picard. That's a very yes. good thought. Uh, yes. So I definitely think it may be Gary Seven's people intervening, as it were, here. And that portal. Yeah. That, that's what really sold it to for me, because when Gary Seven and Isis left, they left in a puff of smoke. Yeah. And. That was that's the that's what sealed it for me that this is this could be a Gary Seven reference because that portal was was nothing but a puff of smoke, which be so amazing. I hope it is. I really hope yeah, it is. that would be a real deep one, <laughs> <laughs> really deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> so as John mentioned, let's get in the queue. First, I'll mention the book that this woman who we don't know who it is yet, but I think we have ideas. I was reading a book called The Pallet Sun, which is the second reference to Dixon Hill. It's a Pallet Sun, a Dixon Hill mystery written by Tracy Torme, which I believe was a writer on TNG. Yeah. And I think I wrote down. Now, let me make sure, because he he did some episodes, but nothing, nothing that's, that would make me say, OK, they put Tracy Torme's name in here because of an episode that he that he wrote. But he did. He wrote uh, uh, the first one he wrote was a Dixon Hill uh, episode. So. Awesome. That's amazing. So are we assuming this woman who Q is trying to manipulate unsuccessfully? Uh, are we assuming this is the woman who goes on this Europa mission? And what what do we guys think is the importance of this Europa mission? So I did some research on this. And forgive me, I may take a little bit of time. So Memory Alpha is stating that her name was Renee Picard. Mm-hmm. His nephew was named Renee too. Right. So, so connection there. And I'm just going to read this to you. So we noticed what led me to this was I noticed the uniform or coveralls that Q had on said Europa mission. Yeah. So that made me look it up. And it was a Expedition Europa was an early interplanetary mission in which astronauts from Earth took space flight on the Shangzhou to the Jovian moon of Europa. The countries taking part in the mission were United States, China, Russia, UK, Canada, and Germany. So, and she, let me, I'm just kind of scrolling back. There was also, and I didn't catch this, Clarence, maybe you did. In the simulation, there was a billboard sign that was visible yep. from the sanctuary district mm-hmm. that read the Explore Europe. I missed that to Boligo, but anyway. Yeah. And also on the bus that the, the Seven and uh, Rafi were riding. Yep. Europa. Right. So supposedly, um, she, Renee Picard, ends up dying on this mission or getting killed. They crash land or something like that or get attacked by something. But what I'm speculating is this is kind of the important part of what changed time because this is a joint mission between a bunch of different countries. And in mm. this particular time, like these countries are against each other. 
So what better way to make us a spacefaring civilization and to come together as a planet to explore space? So beginnings of the Federation. Mm. So piggybacking off something you just said, Q does make the reference that you're doomed when he was speaking in this little whatever he was, just a little um, chant he was giving while she was walking to, to read her, her mystery novel there. But yeah, he said, you're doomed. And then we see him snap his fingers and nothing happens. Mm. So was he snapping his fingers? Maybe somebody or somehow she's out reading his book and she's probably somehow changing direction of going on this mission. And maybe he's snapping his fingers to put her back on mission or maybe he's trying to take her off mission. I don't know that. But we also know the only other time that Q snapped his fingers and it didn't work was in Deja Q when he was causing so much commotion throughout the universe that the continuum put him on punishment and took away his powers. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way he's ever lost his powers was the continuum took the powers away from him. Does that um, that Memory Alpha article, does it have a date for the Europa mission? Does it tell you just the year or does it tell you when it occurred? It does not. It just has 2024. Well, no, it's just saying the billboard was when. So, no, it doesn't give me a date. That's the that's the issue for me with this Q part of things. When is it? Is it because Q was sitting there with the newspaper? Yep. And I can't see. So Clarence was kind enough to tell me what the date was on that <laughs> newspaper. And that was January 21st, 2024. Hmm. So since we established timelines already, we know this is before. If we're to believe this paper is the same day that whatever Q is doing is happening. This is like before Picard even arrives to the past. Right. Hmm. And besides that, if, it, if it's not, what is the significance of why are they showing us so much about this newspaper? And the article, because Clarence was also kind enough to transcribe <laughs> that. And that was interesting, too. So if if where we are with Picard right now is in April of 2024, when was this mission supposed to happen? Is the divergence the fact that uh, the Renee Picard is still on Earth and she didn't go on the mission? And that's what Q was talking about when he was like, you thought you could do it, but you couldn't because you're weak in all of this. Was he saying that she was too weak to go on the mission or was that what he was trying to implant in her mind when he snapped his finger? The spell didn't work. Right. I'm wondering which way we're going with that. That was my question. Like, what is his motives? Yeah. Hmm. Does does Picard mention Renee when he's doing his speech in episode one of the season? Yes, he does. He hmm. said one of his great, great cousins or something of that nature was Rene Picard, one of the first members of the, uh, of a spacefaring mission. He says her name. Hmm. I didn't think it was a, a her. I thought it was a, a man because I'm sexist like that. I thought <laughs> it was a guy that he was talking about. But now we're, we're seeing that it was Rene is a female cousin. Another quick point out. I've also through my research, I found a uh, screenshot of that uh, billboard and it looks to be a SpaceX Dragon capsule on the left side of it. Really? Wow. Uh, That's it doesn't say SpaceX, but it looks very, very similar. Now, this, this ship, and I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's a reference to a similar design. I forget who created it, but it was actually in the first Star Trek movie, Motion Picture, mm. which uh. we will get in HD next month. No, May 5th. May 5th. Yep. So it's coming out. So. 
yeah, we, we should get a good look at that then again. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And the title of that article you mentioned, Tasha, is Will 2024 Revive Space Exploration? So, yeah, interesting stuff there. Can I point at like two more Easter eggs? Yeah, let's Big do ones. it. And, the, and the, the butterfly thing. And I, I know I get hung up on things, but there are butterflies all over, huh. all over the set. There are butterflies at that clinic. There were butterflies. The little girl who turned into the watcher, her dress was completely butterflies. Yeah. The mention of butterflies and how many butterflies have already been been uh, effectively killed by <laughs> our, our ragtag crew in this timeline? Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like you can't beam out of a police car in the middle of a chase <laughs> and not leave a butterfly. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. And and then they're going to rescue Rios, which is going to be another one. And I mean, how how bad are they damaging time? Well, I wonder, is it going to be another uh, Gabriel Bell thing where his picture is just submitted (laughs) into history? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that really shocked me of them beaming out in front of the police. That that was weird. I don't yeah, know. So a choice, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's plausible it could have been a self-driving car going wrong, maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> and then my second one, and this one, I, I haven't confirmed anything, uh, but anything that I heard in the episode that would point back to it. But Rios, that intake sign that he had where he was holding, and it had his little inmate number, and the inmate number was 032494. And when you research that with Star Trek history, that date is when uh, Wesley and the Traveler, the the episode was Journey's End, when Wesley uh, was upset with Picard because they were trying to force move that colony. Yes. So, and I haven't found anything else that points back to that, but that was there too. Well, Hmm. that's that's definitely a good callback with, I remember them, there was like a sort of Native American type tribe that they were trying to move. Yeah. And I think with that, we'll go ahead and get ratings for the episode. And let's start with our guest, Tasha Pierce. How do you rate this episode? Um, Because I still, even though we just sat and talked for, what, an hour about how many different things happened, nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I still still think that it's a 4.5. I love the episode. It just didn't move everything. It would have been a 5 if we got closer, if something got resolved. But everything, we still got all these balls in the air. But I did love the episode. Awesome sauce. And we did have a 3.0 from Cal up top. Uh, John, how do you rate this episode, sir? Oh, man. So at the top of the episode, I told you guys how much I loved it, even though, as Sasha pointed out, it was a filler episode. But it was a great filler. And the way I'm judging, I judge these in any any TV I watch, when it ends, am I upset that it ended because I want more? And how much, how upset am I? So on a scale of one to five, five being the most upset, five. So I'll rate this show a five. <laughs> I wanted it to continue. I loved that it. it was a fun episode and I was having fun watching it. Oh, man. I think I'm going to come in between you guys somewhere with a 4.7. You know, I feel like this was great filler as far as filler goes. Did the story really advance a whole lot? Man, not much. But we got some great tidbits, some great references, and we're pushing the story along in what I think is a really cool way. The Raffi the 7 interactions were freaking fantastic. 
I'm really enamored by this new guy. And, you know, at first I wasn't that into the scenes with her, but knowing that this actor and I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff of her talking about her appearance, I really felt in love with her. And when you think about what they're doing with all of these legacy characters now, where spoiler, we're getting a new Kirk in Strange New Worlds. It's been announced. <laughs> and the new Kirk, the new spot, you know, we're just bringing these new actors in to fill these roles. And although she doesn't necessarily have the look of uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I think she had the cadence down pretty, pretty well. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed all of this filler. Good filler. We're going to start playing the good filler. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Oh, and it was one more thing that I have written down that I forgot. There was that one scene where Picard and uh, Guinan were getting in her car. And she, he said, thank you. And she said, don't thank me yet. The Watcher is a pill. And I'm wondering, was that was that an Easter egg even? A pill is Allison Pill, who is Gerardi. Oh. That would freak me out. Hmm. Don't break my brain with yeah, I'm trying to blow oh, your God. mind before I get off of here. Y'all gonna have me back. <laughs> oh. Don't break my brain like that. Cause now I'm thinking it could be a possibility. <laughs> wow. Where's Cal when we need the timey wimey quote? Oh, and, and, and BT dubs, I had all of y'all, all of y'all ratings. With the exception of Kyle, I was not right with Kyle. But once I saw who was in the group, I said, okay, Jonathan going to get us a five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a 4.5. And I, I knew that you, Clarence, would give it a 4.75 is what oh. I wrote down. But you gave wow. it a 4.7, which is really close. I know y'all. That's has awesome. His, I know she y'all. She has us over here, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, once again, Tasha, thank you for joining us. Anybody listening, be sure to check out Tasha's YouTube channel and her on all the social medias and different platforms after the snap on YouTube. What is your um your Twitter handle if you want to give it to us real quick, Tasha? At Snap After. At Snap After. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are so glad to have you on and, and you're, you're welcome <laughs> back anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Y'all gonna have a fifth host. Don't, don't invite me back. <laughs> Come on in. We'd love to have you. You're welcome to be a part of the USS Rutabaga. Join oh, the yeah. crew. <laughs> As always, you can reach out to us at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or hit us up at fans at discussingtrek.com via email. You can also use those outlets to send in Trek trivia. John, what do you have for us this week, sir? All right. So this is going to be my low-hanging fruit trick trivia so we'll get an answer tonight uh you guys will probably give me the answer but i just thought it was pretty interesting to say so we know there has been a couple of records set for appearances in star trek one you know technically majel barrett has the the record but as actual appearances it's michael dorn as wharf who's been in 272 episodes followed by cole meany which has been in 211 episodes but there is one more character that has appeared and set a record and this record for is is appearing in the most star trek pilots the this most is easy star trek pilots and you said it's easy would it would it be john luke i mean uh, patrick stewart <laughs> you are correct sir so he has with picard pilot he has appeared in three star trek pilots you count tng picard and he was in the ds9 pilot yeah i had to really think about that you you kind of can forget about the DS9 one because he didn't have a major role, 
but I mean, he was there. So it, it yeah, counts. it was a, the pass of the baton. It was to to give that that show some credibility. Right. And, oh, and, and and the way Avery Brooks stared him down is <laughs> yeah. just beautiful. Self-kiss. Put him in his place. I hadn't seen anybody do that ever. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is why we need Cisco energy in this oh, thing. Boy. We need them to. We don't need them to come together because they shouldn't have met until that. You know, until after uh, what is it, Wolf? Yeah, three five nine. Three five nine. Okay, so he what they weren't supposed to meet until after that. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen them come together in this series, but I don't think it's gonna happen now. I would have loved for it to take place during the Bell riots, and they just happen to bump into each other, kind yeah. of a background thing. But then the Bell I riots, lost my crap. Yeah, I would have lost mine too until I realized it didn't happen till September. Yeah, and we're in April. You know, yeah, it, it, it bummed me out. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one, Jonathan. Thank you. And with that, we're going to end the episode. Again, check out Tasha on YouTube. And thank you for each and every one of you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it as we continue to go through Star Trek Picard. And with that, until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.